Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Great. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. And those online, thanks for joining and being part of our family here in our study of the book of Acts. Um, as you know, livingmessiah.com is our website. You'll find a donate button there, and that's wonderful. Uh, we want to say thank you for all those who have donated and who do give. Thank you very much. Um, let me open in prayer, and then we can uh, get into, into the study. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for this day, this day of rest that you have allotted for your children to enter in and enter in with you, Father. And that's our, our purpose. We want to grow closer to you. We honor, want to understand your words and the words of your Son in a more powerful way. Be with us today, Father. Have your Spirit be here to teach us and guide us in the way to go. We thank you again for your love and mercy we find in your Son, Yahshua. Amen. All right, as you know, you'll, there's mics out there. Just raise your hand if you have a, a question or comment. The mic will find its way to you. And then the big one, as usual, let's stay on the text of where we're at and not get ahead so we all can learn together. And I think that's about it. Oh, and the last comment about the, the mic, make sure you have it close to your mouth when you're speaking. That way it comes through nice and clear for Ward and the sound in those online so they can hear you as well. So, so as far as review, last week we, we took a background detour, about three-year time period we are looking at, and that was in between verses 1 through 26 of the, uh, chapter 29 where we're at. Uh, and I hope that gave you uh, maybe some more of an understanding about the Shaul or Apostle Paul and his revelation of Messiah and ultimately how his revelation of why Yeshua was the Messiah and how it was according to the scriptures, okay? And it was not according to the traditions of man, but it was according to what was written down um, as uh, written down that really establishes who our Messiah is. So let, um, let's read from, uh, uh, for context purposes, from 17 to 27, okay? And from there, we'll, uh, 27 is where we kind of left off. We'll continue, uh, hopefully, maybe to the end of the chapter 9, but let's see what's going on. Uh, let's see how far we get. Okay, and some of it we read already, but it helps as far as like uh, I'm thinking context to understand how the the story is unveiling for us. So, oh, thumbs up, thank you. 
Okay, Acts 9, 17. And Hananiah went away and went into the house and laying his hands on him and said, Brother Shaul, the master Yahshua, who appeared to you on the way has come. He has sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the set-apart spirit. And immediately uh, there fell from his eyes as it were scales, and he received his sight. And rising up, Rising up, he was immersed, and having received food, he was strengthened. And Shaul was with the taught ones at Damascus some days. And immediately he proclaimed the Messiah in the congregations that he is the son of Elohim. And all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not who destroyed those calling on the name in Jerusalem? And has come here for, uh, come here for this, to take them bound to the uh, chief priests? And Shaul kept increasing in strength and was confounding the Udim, or the Jews, who dwelt in Damascus proving that this is the Messiah, that being Yahshua. And after many days had elapsed, the Yudim plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Shaul, and they were watching the gates day and night to kill him. But taking him by night, the taut ones let him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. And having arrived at Jerusalem, Shaul tried to join with the taught ones, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was one of them or a taught one as well. So here we go with some new, new, um, new, uh, new text as far as the study goes. But Barnabas uh, took him and brought him to the emissaries and told told them how he uh, had seen the master on the way and that he had spoken to him and how he was speaking boldly at Damascus in the name of Yeshua. And he was with them in Jerusalem, coming and going out and speaking boldly in the name of the master Yeshua and disputed with the Hellenistics or the Greeks, okay? But they under... But they... But they undertook to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then indeed the assemblies throughout all Yehuda, or Judah and the Galilee and uh, uh, Semeron, or Samaria had peace and were built up and walking in the fear of Yahuwah and in the encouragement of the set-apart spirit, they were being increased. So this is now, this is like new here. So this gives us an idea uh, of more what's going on with Paul. So it seems like Paul, the only one that who he really come in contact with was a couple of the, let's say, the core group of those who were called out, okay? But most other ones, he didn't really come in contact with others who were following after Messiah. But I want to point out something here. And speaking boldly in the name of the Master, uh, 29, you know, he, Paul was disputing. He was disputing with this, these Greeks. But keep in mind, these Greeks were not foreigners, 
They were Greek-speaking Jews is who they were. So he was debating. He wouldn't be debating with a foreign person about a God that they could care less about or knew nothing about. He was disputing within, within his, own, his own brotherhood okay, about the Messiah. So it talks about here, I think it's interesting, and this fits into later parts in the story as they come together for you as well. So um, what they did is they learned of this plot against Paul, and they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Now, I know it's been a while, but can you remember who was from Caesarea? If you think back, Acts, actually one of the main characters in Acts, one of the first ones that we talked about, right after Stephen, Remember, the persecution was going on, and then Philip, it's Philip. Philip, because he, when that persecution went on, went up into Samaria, and then he went over uh, various places, and then it seems like he lives in Caesarea. So that seems like where Paul went uh, to see Philip on his way out uh, to Tarsus to go back to his home where he grew up. But I do want to keep in mind that I do believe persecution is still going on here. And it is among the Jews themselves. It's not coming from anywhere else. For the most part, persecution that's being spoken here is within, the, within Judaism, within the brotherhood. Okay? So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Then the assemblies throughout all Judah and Galilee and Samaria had peace, were built up. And it, I was reading one commentary, and someone did just say that. It seems like as soon as Paul left, the peace came. But that's really not what was going on here. Okay, it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with that. But, but like I said, they, it's saying that they had peace. Okay? They had peace, and then they were built up. It's weird. Think about it. They had peace, but there was persecution going on. That doesn't seem right in some ways with at least our modern thinking, you know. But see, that comes that, to that word uh, for peace that's being uh, used here. Okay, they had shalom. So you can have shalom, and it doesn't mean that there isn't chaos going on around you. Okay? So you have to understand that. So, you know, there can be persecution going on, and you can have shalom. You can have this whole and completeness. And that's, I know we strive to get there, and it's hard, guys, I know. But we know the Messiah. We know the Almighty's words. We are whole and complete if we stick in Him. So whatever's going on out there, crazy, don't get sucked in. Try not to get sucked in because he has given us a shalom, a wholeness for us to be. Okay, So that doesn't mean the absence of uh, persecution or frictions and, and things of that nature. But this does bring up um, John. Remember in John 14.26 says this. But, because this is about the set-apart spirit, right? But the Helper, the set-apart Spirit, whom the Father shall send in my name, he shall teach you and remind you of what all I have said to you. Peace, shalom, I leave with you. My shalom, my peace, I give to you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. All right? Do not let your heart be troubled. Troubled, neither let it be afraid. And that's coming from the Messiah. And then we have a comment over here. And then I want to start talking about something else here that I think is important. So we were just having a similar conversation about peace and shalom and what brings us peace and shalom. And we find that when we can just be okay being us and who we are, what we find will rob our peace is when we try to figure out why can't you see things the way we see them, whether it be political, religious, yeah. whatever topic you want to take. Cleaning the house. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so <laughs> you wonder, you know, that will rob your peace because you're thinking, why, you know, take whatever topic you're going to take, you're wondering, how do you guys even think that way where, where does this come from why can't you see things the way i see it because i got it all figured out and i'm right and <laughs> and you're not so if we can just leave that alone and figure and you know we've all got room to grow we all have things to learn and if we can just okay be okay being us being me doing what we need to do and not concerned on why you can't see things the way i do like i said whether political or religious or whatever other title you want to give it just be okay doing what we need to do, how we need to do it, listening to the instructions given to us and not try to worry about getting the logs out of other people's eyes. Yeah. No, that, that's interesting. Thank you, Polly. Because it's interesting what we're going to look at or I'd like to look at with you here. So you have this, uh, this idea that there's this peace, but yet there's this persecution going on here. But they had peace and were built up and walking in the fear of Yahuwah and in the encouragement of the set-apart spirit. Because ultimately behind Acts, or let's say maybe in the forefront of Acts is a better way to say, the main character is the spirit himself, it is the spirit of the Most High who is dwelling within the, this, these people to do the acts that they're doing. But walking in the fear of Yahweh. It's interesting, the Aramaic trans, uh, translation that I have, or at least one of them has, being built up and instructed in the fear of Elohim, in the comfort of the set-apart spirit. So even that speaks kind of difference. So what I'm getting at is walking in the fear. What is that? Right? Don't raise your hand too quick. But ultimately, we have, I think, uh, we, we see these terms, and then, like I try to do, I'm like, well, what does that mean? We all say, have fear. Have the fear of the Lord is upon him. The fear, ultimately, the scriptures tell us what that is and give us at least the foundation of where we should go when we. Uh, when we elaborate and we use these terminologies or when we read them, we can't read our own understanding into the text that's not there. Um, go so, ahead. I was very interested in this verse 31 because it says they were continuing in the fear of the Lord. 
So you, you, this is a great opportunity for us to say, okay, well, if they're continuing in that, what is it? So I just look, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, which is in our Torah portion today. And it says, but Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see. No, I'm sorry, Exodus 9.20, not 14.13. Exodus 9.20 says, the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of Yahuwah made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses, meaning they obeyed what he said. That's equivalent to fearing Yahuwah, when you do what he said. And so you see here, they're fearing the, the, the Lord, meaning they're still doing the things the Torah said to do. That is exactly the foundation that we have to look at. Thank you, Mark. I'm trying to get this back upward, and it's not even showing. Well, while you're working on that, can I make a comment? Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> this is one that, for me, can be very challenging. Uh, the, the two combinations, like you mentioned, peace and fear. Uh, but verse... Psalm 46.10 is interesting. It says, cease striving and know that I am Elohim. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahuwah of hosts is with us. The Elohim of Jacob is our stronghold. That word that's being used there is Rapha in Hebrew. And it literally means to drop it go slack, to give up, to surrender, to be weak. We live in a world where everything tells us self-help, get stronger, be bold, be this. Everything is about us. And having a respectful fear of our creator and then being able to cease to be still means that now not only do we trust him, but we fear disappointing him, and we don't want to try to show our strength because we have no strength other than what he appoints us. So that respectful fear means that, one, we slack, we give up, we surrender, we drop it. Like what Polly was saying, sometimes you just have to drop it and let it go. Let it go. Let, let it, it go. go. And, well, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Cause, but, uh, you know, but we we are strengthened in him <laughs> we're we're strengthened in him and knowing that okay he's our stronghold he's our might and he's the one that tells us to let things go even when we're striving to know that he is your hevahe awesome so this is this is going to be great then so what we're going to what you've heard is is just that, just what the text is saying, to understand what the fear of Yahuwah is. Okay, yeah, give me, uh, let me see here. So the two I, others, oh. Go ahead. So the two that, I thought you said go ahead. So the two that I have is Deuteronomy 8.6 and Deuteronomy 11.25. 8.6 says, Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of Yahuwah your Elohim to walk in his ways and fear him. So Deuteronomy 11.25 says, uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6.2 says, 
so that you and your son and your grandson might fear Yahuwah, your Elohim, to keep his statutes, his commandments, which I command you all the days, and so that your life may be prolonged. Excellent. Perfect. Because this is then the foundation, how it is to be understood, whether you're reading the Old Testament or you're reading the New Testament, the fear of Yahuwah is defined. It is clearly defined. So I believe there's a huge connection here with the fear and the spirit here as well. Um, I think in some ways they're saying one and the same thing. Okay? I would have you consider that walking in the spirit is to walk in the fear of the Almighty. Something to think about. So... What I did is, this phrase is found 14 times, uh, the fear of Yahuwah. And it's found in Proverbs 14 times. And at least this particular uh, adjective, I, I forget, this particular one, or this phrase in itself, because the, the word fear appears up many places, but I'm, I was just kind of focusing on the phrase, the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahuwah. So this phrase, 14 times in Proverbs, and that's more than anywhere else that I could find. Isaiah comes in with a, um, comes in second with six times. Okay? But like you just heard, this idea, the fear of him, maybe not the phrase, it is quite foundational from the very beginning. Let's say from the mountain for sure. So Proverbs speaks of wisdom, if you're not aware of that, which you probably do know. Wisdom and the voice of understanding. And ultimately, the fear of Yahuwah meant something like it does. It did mean something. And again, let's not redefine it. Let's see then what this, we got some examples already, what this walk is, okay, this halakha of the followers of Messiah, because ultimately this is, what are they doing? Those who were following Messiah were doing this. They were walking in the fear of the Almighty, being encouraged, being instructed by the set-apart spirit. Nothing new, only it's true, right? Nothing new. So, here are some examples. The fear of Yahuwah is to hate evil. I have hated pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth. The fear of Yahuwah prolongs days. It gives you life, right? But the years of the wrong ones are shortened. The righteous look forward to joy but the expectancy of the wrong ones perish. And I put both these highlighted because I think they're, they're comparing, uh, what do you call that? I forget the name of it, but there, there's a comparison. The fear, of, uh, the fear of Yahweh plongs days, and ultimately that's the righteous look forward to joy. The fear of Yahweh prolongs days. That's interesting because that also plays a part in the commandments. Remember, 
Honor your father and mother so it may go well with you. And you'll have many days in the land that I'm giving you so it will go well with Hmm. The fear of Yahweh is, a, is strong trust. And ultimately trust, like Mark was pointing out, is quite clear obedience to whatever he says to be obedient to. And his children have a place of refuge. So it seems like you have a place of refuge if you are obedient. The fear of Yahweh is a fountain of life to turn away from the snares of death. So this fear of Yahweh is to be obedient. And there's, when you're obedient, you have life. When you're disobedient, the outcome is the opposite. The fear of Yahweh is the discipline of wisdom. Now, that's interesting. And before glory or esteem is humility. So you must humble yourself. You must be like a small child, right? In order to enter into his kingdom rules. So that gives you an idea then of what was going on in this assembly. Persecution, this crazy guy from the Pharisees who was going to lock us all up, and now he's changed. He had a vision. I'm not too sure, guys. Let's just continue following with the Spirit, and if it is the case, it will play itself out, right? So as the, it goes on then, now it's switching. We're going to talk about Peter. If there's nothing else about fearing Yahuwah, and walking in that spirit. And it came to be as Peter, Akepha, was passing through all places that he also came down to the set-apart ones who were dwelling at Lod. I believe it's Lod. And there he found a certain man named Ananias, Ananias who had been bedridden for eight years, being uh, paralytic. And Kepha, Peter, said to him, Ananias, Yeshua, the Messiah, heals you. Rise up and make your bed. And immediately he rose up. And all those dwelling in Lod and uh, uh, Sharon saw him and did turn to the master. We have some, some, a couple kids in here today. Peter, the apostle, right? He was real close to Messiah. See what he says? Rise up, make your bed, kids. Make sure you make your bed, right? That's the easy one. I'm sure I'm, I'm amazed that the Catholics didn't get onto that one somehow and turn that into a big, Peter's, make your bed. But anyhow, you Catholics probably know what I'm talking about with all the stuff they add. But anyhow, what we have here is Peter's going down to load. Background real quick, it's a town of Benjamin. It's, um, it's also one of the cities that's mentioned that those who dwelt there actually returned back home when they were in captivity in Babylon. And you'll read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah. It's mentioned about those particular people for some reason. They returned back. Um, up into the late Roman period, the city was a, a center for Jewish scholarship and trade as well. 
Uh, it was a large city, and um, and it was a providence connected somehow with Samaria, and it's about 25 miles northwest of Jerusalem. And it, I think it's on this close to the seashore, but I could be wrong on that one. But like I was saying, the storyline also is kind of switching now to Peter. And it might be switching to Peter, but we have to remind ourselves, or I remind myself again, the acts of the apostles, or is it the acts of the set-apart spirit? And in Yafo, uh, there was a certain taught one whose name, uh, Tabitha, which means Dorcas. The woman was filled with good works and kind deeds, which she did. And it came to be in those days that she became sick and died. And, ha and having washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And Lod, being near Yafo, and, and uh, Yafo, yeah, uh, being, near to the, uh, being near, the taught ones, having heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, urging him, not to delay in coming to them. So it must have been kind of real close. Um, Tabitha, her name means gazelle, and Dorcas means gazelle in Greek too. And yeah, I know, you're, I'd go with Tabitha too, wouldn't you? I mean, at least this modern day. But look at these good works. What are good works? Are we going to define them by whatever we think good works are? Mark 10, 18, and Yeshua said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except one Elohim, one God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not rob, respect your father and mother, and answering, he said to him, Teacher, all these things I watch over, uh, over from my youth. And Yahshua, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One matter you lack, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in the heavens, and come follow me and take up my stake. Now, I'm mentioning this because it's about good works that are being mentioned here. Let Matthew 5, 16, and these verses we know. Let your light shine before men so that they see your good works and praise your Father who is in the heavens. So, right off the bat, combining those, at least if you go by here, your good works have to be something the, the Almighty is going to be approved, approving that you're doing, right? Do not think that I have come to, to destroy the... He's, this is interesting. When he makes that statement, Yeshua, let your light shine before all men, so your Father in who, who is in heaven will uh, praise your good works. Messiah goes right on, right after this. And this goes back to like what Mark was bringing out in the foundation of fearing and obedience. 
Yeshua said, do not think that I come to trample down the Torah or the prophets, right? I do not come to destroy, but I come to fulfill them so you know how to walk them out before you, not make them complete and obsolete so you don't have to do it. No, I've come to show you, instruct you how to do it to the fullness that you can do them. For truly I say to you, till the heavens and the earth pass away, not one jot or tittle shall by no means pass from the instructions, the Torah, till all be done. Whoever then breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so to do so will be least in the reign of the heavens. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the reigns of heaven. So what's this again? That key, it's coming to me from that key, good works are defined again of what they will be. They will be things, ultimately, the, uh, the Torah, the instructions that were given at Mount Sinai, and how when you practicing them, you begin to know how to love your neighbor, how to do good things that your father will see. Wow, faithful service, I'm glad you did that. And we'll see that that's who this Tabitha was and some of the things that she was doing. Side notes, it seems like the burial must be accomplished by sundown. So that's why this other town must have been pretty close. Okay? So what they did, they washed uh, the body and laid her on her bed. And the other thing that you notice here, here in this town, as it was where the the para, paralytic man of eight years was healed. They were believers there, and they were believers here. That means this good news already had got, this wasn't new as far as out of nowhere. There was some kind of small assembly that recognized Yahshua as that Messiah. Why else would they... To me, it's like, and they knew Peter's in town. Yeah, he's at the next town over. We've heard some stuff. Send two brothers over to see if you can get them to come over. Right? So to me, these two communities fully knew of Peter and all that surrounded Peter as well. Because Peter was summoned by them. And having risen up, Peter went with them. When he arrived, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him weeping, showing the inner garments and outer garments, which uh, Tabitha <laughs> made while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. And giving her his hand, he lifted her up, and calling the set-apart ones in the widows, he presented her alive. That's an awesome story. But there's more with this good works. I want to focus on her. 
this widow or these widows who came, they knew Tabitha. All right? I, I know in some biblical times they hired whalers to come in and in. I don't know if that was the actual case here. And maybe they did come in and got some money as to come in and mourn. But they knew this woman, even to the extent showing the apostle, look, Tabitha made me this. Tabitha made me this. Tabitha made me this. And these were widows. So it does suggest these widows were poor, that Tabitha took the time to make something for these widows, however many that came, because they were so proud <laughs> to show Peter. Uh, Barry, I saw your hand up, and then we'll come over to Polly. I, I didn't see in the Scripture that they were necessarily saying, this is what she made me, but I saw this is what she made. And it was obviously a mindset of, of giving as opposed to what she could receive. She was creating and creating all that she could to be given. Yes, no. Somehow she was connected, and maybe she was a widower herself as well. But they were bragging. Uh, go on, Polly. I was going to comment on the word Dorcas. A Dorcas is a master seamstress. Oh, it's really? A, it's is a that what it is? It's a title. Ah. A Dorcas is a master seamstress. Ah, okay, so that plays more into uh, uh, to the whole story. So she then was one of the the leading ladies on how how to run the show of sewing and uh, getting the garments. So there was a lot to this woman. And if it was a group of widows, it's possibly that they didn't have much money either. There's another pattern that's here. And we don't really have to go into it that far, but the pattern is of a prophet of God, or Elohim, raising the dead. And Peter's following that same pattern here. Other prophets of Elohim have raised the dead back to life. We have Elijah, Elisha. They did it, and along with Yahshua as well. And here is a pattern where you have the deceased is laying on the bed, the prophet comes in, and what, orders everyone out, right? That's happened, the old, orders everyone out to leave the room. Yahuwah is called upon for his great mercies, And then that one is presented to those who are there alive. Maybe someday when we are resurrected, we will be presented to the Almighty. I don't know. There's a, again, there's a lot of patterns here. I didn't go in into it 
just just that little bit. And it came known through all of Yaffa, uh, Jaffa, is it? But it's yeah, but it's Jaffa, Jaffa. I've been corrected because I'm like complete. So throughout all Jaffa, <laughs> and many believed on the Master, and it came to be that he stayed for many days in uh, Jaffa with Simeon, a leather tanner. So we're talking about Peter here. He does these two awesome acts, heals and resurrects someone. But here it's talking about, I don't know, guys, and many believed on the master because I think it was, to me, is established in the text that they, these are two assemblies that did believe in the Messiah. And it seems like now... I would say that many more became believers in the Messiah because of these great things. So there was a lot of purpose that was along, or that followed wherever Peter, Peter was going. Polly. In my head, so hope I can pull them all together. So I think, I don't know if Mike talked about this on a Tuesday night, a little bit, but anyway, it's been in my thoughts that the Pesach story, the plagues that all came upon the people, they didn't have a choice. These were coming upon them. It wasn't until the 10th plague that man's choice came into play. They either feared the word of Yahuwah and established his word validating it that his word is authoritative and his word is the only thing that's going to bring life here and they demonstrated it by making a choice to put that blood on the doorpost of their house all the other plagues came upon them they had a choice to make and i think the father gives us a choice and we either can choose to walk in the instructions he gives us there for living a life of fearing the Most High to the best of our ability, or we can choose to completely disregard them and, and you know, walk away from them or not apply them or pick and choose which ones we want to apply and which ones we don't. I think free choice is, it is a gift that the Father gives us. It is a you know, he didn't make us robots to where we all have to do something. He gave us that free will and that choice to make choices. Yes, like Marx just said, even from the garden. And so it is discouraging and disappointing, the comments that I made earlier, when we see someone so blatantly making choices that show no fear, no boundaries that they're walking within the word of God. But that's a choice they made. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to not let that rob our peace or our joy, even though we may want to share with them, you guys are struggling here. Maybe I, you know, I might make some suggestions here. Or when they come and ask, you know, I'm really having these issues, I'm having these problems, it opens up a door for us to be able to share what brings peace. However, we cannot 
as things unfold, and I think uh, Kurt said the craziness that goes on around us, or maybe you did, Ralphie, the craziness that's unfolding around us, we, those are choices they're making, and we cannot let their bad choices rob our peace because we have to demonstrate that we have that blood on the doorpost of our home. This is a choice we've made, and this is the boundaries we have chose to walk in. Yeah, no, and I think, thank you, Polly, and I think that's the big thing, is this fear of Yahweh is boundaries, and in those, when you're walking in them and maturing in them, like we all are maturing in, and then these good deeds, these things come out in us, one way it's a light to them, whether they acknowledge it as good light or bad light, it is a light, meaning there is a separation between what we do and how we go about it versus how the world does it. And and I, I guess maybe going along with some of what Polly was saying, um, for me, I'm seeing, and let me use all of us, I see what we're doing and how our thought process is on how we view things, there is becoming, at least for me too, daily, more of a contrast between him in me and what's out there. And that's got to continue to be a bigger and bigger contrast. It will. It it should. Uh, Let me... Who has the mic first? Okay, we'll we'll go down your way to you, Barry. How about that? And then we'll close. Oh, I think Val, did you have a comment? Oh, okay. Then you, yeah, go ahead, and then we'll go to Barry, and we'll finish up. You know, um, fearing Yah and walking in obedience. Um, when you do that, because um, He's true to His word, He gives us understanding as we do that because that's where we bear fruit, and that fruit is a light to others you know, to see, and self-control is one. So like uh, Polly was saying, Close, yeah, like there you go. Sister Polly was saying, um, if somebody does something to you, to not let that affect us, and that, again, you know, is one of the fruits to have self-control. Um, and that's where we have reverence for God and his word. Um, and when we hold to that and steadfast in his word, um, then that's where the evidence of um, fruit, the fruits of the Spirit that we bear, that others see, and which is different from, you know, the world's, the world's ways. Exactly. Thank you. And Barry, we'll finish up with you, and after you, I'll close in prayer, okay? Just want to say, even though it may feel good, slapping them is a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) and tomorrow is just one of those examples (laughs) thank you father yahweh great and mighty you are and father we do we call upon you father you are all truth you are faithful to your words father we call because we we are in complete need of you father please continue to help us so we can become that image of your one and only son, Yahshua. Thank you again for your faithfulness to your words and revealing yourself to us. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone here and those online. Next week, we will start.
chapter 10 of Acts, okay? Shalom.